and process. Visit SheridanFuneral.com or 307-683-9200. Sheridan Funeral Home and Cremations, compassionate service for the Sheridan community. Hi, this is Christy Kinghorn with Buffalo Realty, and let's talk about Nine to Smith Court. This lake resort oasis on 5.16 acres overlooks Lake DeSmit. The layout of this four-bedroom, three-bath home has a master bedroom suite with a walk-in closet and master bath. Nice office and three more bedrooms and two more bathrooms. A large kitchen with an island separates the living room and the family room. Call me, Christy Kinghorn at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Let's get those paintbrushes rolling. Hi, Kurt Smith here for the Sheridan Commercial Company. Our True Value Paint Department has so much to offer when it comes to painting. Whether you need help with customized color matching or choosing a paint color combination, our True Value Paint Department can help you get started. We offer a full line of True Value and PPG paints, plus all of the accessories you need to get those brushes rolling. Great paint, great store. The Sheridan Commercial Company opens seven days a week at 303 Broadway. In this day and age, everyone's looking for a great value deal. Well, look no further than your locally owned McDonald's. The $3.50 value deal is available at your McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Choose from a McDouble, hot and spicy, or six-piece chicken McNuggets, plus a small fry for $3.50. Now that is the value. Don't forget to download the McDonald's app for even more great deals. Look no further for a great value deal than your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, they have a wide selection of estate jewelry, including gold, silver, and platinum. With new items arriving weekly, now is the perfect time to stop in. Items include pre-owned Rolex watches, vintage and modern rings, pendants, earrings, and more, all at great values. They're also buyers of gold, silver, and platinum jewelry, paying maximum prices for diamonds and fine gemstones. So hurry in to Legacy Diamond and Gems, where quality and value are always in style. Legacy Diamond and Gems, 11 North Main Street, downtown Sheridan. Over 80 new and used vehicles are on the lot at Waring, Sheridan, Chevrolet, and more are on the way. The transports continue to bring in more inventory. That means new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs of all makes and models, all priced to move. If you don't see what you're looking for, just ask. Come in and visit with a great team of Shane, Mike, John, Nolan, and Tim. Go online and search Sheridan Chevrolet for their website or stop by 107 East Alger, Waring, Sheridan, Chevrolet. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. 
You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. My guest this morning is originally from Northern Ireland. She completed her education in the United Kingdom before moving to the U.S. She began her career as a young performer, eventually deciding to focus on socially engaged performance practice. Working extensively as a community performance facilitator, her PhD research focused on site and community-based practice and is now the theater director for Sheridan College. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Lauren Graffin Estrada. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Floyd. Now, uh... Are you enjoying this uh, new course of weather? We were talking a little bit before <laughs> it, the show. Is anybody enjoying this new course of weather? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Believe it or not, I find it easier than Ireland where it's dark half the year. At least we get some sunlight here. Yeah. Yeah. How often does it snow in Northern Ireland? Is is Not that much. And we don't get, I mean, we only get a couple of inches. We never get a lot. And the whole place shuts down. It's a shock every single year when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got to relearn how to drive in the snow, right? Yeah, they're, they're very used to rain, not so much snow. Because when you think about it, and, you know, you're thinking about looking at a globe, you think it's it's higher up on, like, the longitude, or, the, excuse me, the latitude, but yeah. it's really not, is it? It's well, it's a little higher, but we don't have a lot of height internally. So we don't have, you know, we talk about we have mountains, but really we have hills. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think altitude is a large part of that. You know, we're very close to sea level. So it changes things. We're an island. And when you're that close to the ocean, that you get a different type of weather, different level of humidity. Now, I'll, I'll admit, uh, I haven't been over uh, to Ireland. I want to. Um, my On my mother's side, we're Throckmorton's. Uh, linked to the McGee's over there. So I'd like to go back there one day and just, uh, you know, because you always see those beautiful vistas, the, yeah. the shores with the rolling mm-hmm. green hills, and I just feel drawn to that kind of vista. A lot of people do, yeah, and a lot of people will say that if they even are removed several generations, that they go, they go to Ireland for the first time and it feels familiar. And really? Wow. I do wonder if there's some sort of weird uh, ancestral connection for some people. Where it's just pulling you home. Yeah, <laughs> Just pulling so. you home. How often do you get to go home? I go home every year, so the good thing about being in education is I go home for the summer and I take my kids Home, you know, I have to maintain the accent, Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it, right? Yeah. Do they get? Do they give you a little guff when you get over there, and you sound a little more American? No, because I don't know that I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially as soon as you're back, I, I I do have to think about my speech here. I have to enunciate a lot more. I have to slow down a lot more. And as soon as I'm home, that stops. <laughs> I can do, let it go. You got to repractice how to slow everything down when you come back. <laughs> yes, and I always forget whenever I have new students that come in, freshmen, I've just come back from Ireland, um, and I start to speak, and they look bamboozled. I'm like, oh, wait, I have to. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll get back to speaking uh, in a way that's palatable for Americans. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fascinating, uh, you know, the, the differences in, in dialects. Even here in the United States, it's always mm. kind of – fascinated me how we all speak the same quote-unquote language but it's just the dialects of the region can really throw everybody off yeah and i'm from northern ireland so that's even kind of it's very different to the um a lot of people in the south they're they're 
speaking tends to be a lot softer. And we talk about when they say TH, it sounds like TR, you know, tree instead of three. Oh, wow. Yeah. So theirs is very different from us. So you see a a really big um, variation within the island of Ireland. I think Northern Ireland is very influenced by Scotland. Oh, yeah, I guess it would be. between the two. They're only 30 minute boat ride at the closest point. So apart, you know, Northern Ireland and Scotland. So we have a lot of kind of. Back and forth. Yeah, it's really influenced our how we talk. That's amazing. And and so what, when did you leave Ireland for the U.S.? 2017. So it really wasn't that long ago, was it? What brought you over here? A man is not always. (laughs) (laughs) No, my, I had originally, um, whenever I was in college, I went to college in Northern Ireland, then England, and then back to Northern Ireland. But uh, whenever I was doing my undergrad, I used to, spend summers working in the States in summer camps and I met my now husband. So uh, we had an agreement that whoever graduated and got a job first, the other would move. And I had the audacity to do a PhD, so it took a lot longer than his teaching credential. <laughs> um, so I ended up, uh, he got the job first and I moved here um, when we got married. And he and that's how it happened, yeah. Now, how old were you when you first got bit by the acting bug? Do you remember? I was 11, maybe 10, actually, 10, probably. Um, I was shopper number three <laughs> <laughs> in a, a school play, and then the lead had an off week. And this was elementary school. How terrifying is this? They told her that they were recasting her part. Oh. She was 10. Ow. I look back, and I'm like, gosh, that was brutal. Anyways, they recast her part, and I got it. Um, I was ready. I went. I got an upgrade from shopper number three to the lead role, so... That's when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? What was it like? Was it like an instant passion, or is it something that you kind of had to work over the top no, of your nerves? It was, to get... it was an instant passion. Um, I had always been referred to as dramatic. You know, as we often hear, <laughs> young girls get referred to as dramatic. Um, so I think I was a naturally expressive person and really interested in other people. Yeah. And I think when you're really interested in people, you gravitate towards the arts or acting um, because that's really what it is. A lot of my students are like, oh, I think it might double major in theater and psych. And I'm always like, yep, that makes a lot of sense. Because I think when you're interested in theater, you're really interested in thinking about how people work, how they tick, what motivates them, why they do the things they do. Um, and I was definitely that from a young age. So I think that's why I gravitated towards performance when you're deciding on a character mm-hmm. when when you're performing a character yeah do you take little habits or ticks from the people in your life and kind of apply it to that character i was thinking about something this morning mm-hmm. where uh, the idea of an actor trying to emote nervousness or anxiety mm-hmm. um it, it would be somewhat difficult, you know. You think about the old way of doing it, you, well, chew your nails, you know, put your hand up and, and look concerned. But there's there's more to that, and, and there can be these little things that we do when we are nervous or anxious mm-hmm. that maybe not everybody notices, but an actor might be able to look at that and be like, I'm going to take that and use it because that's perfect. I, Just, yeah, I think you're right. I think we are... People watchers, for sure. You have to be observers of behavior. Um, 
were really interested in that. And I do that sometimes where I'll have students, I'll ask them to leave class and walk down, because we teach at the YO, I'll ask them to walk down Sheridan Main Street and notice people and the things that are happening between them. And then we bring it back into the room and see what they have. Um, so, so we do definitely try to notice um, how pe- mostly though what we're looking at is less about playing uh, nervousness or less about playing anger. And it's more about how different people carry themselves differently in their bodies. Okay. Um, because, you know, we talk about the body as an archive. Um, often we think, you know, what's in an archive or books and the stuff that come from our brains, but actually our bodies are holders of a great amount of knowledge. All you need to do is um, look at someone that's worked in a factory for five years and you'll see how that experience is held in their body. I walked into Sheridan High School recently and a student was taking a class with me and I said, "Are you? Were you? have you been a dancer? And she said, yeah, I haven't danced in four years. I'm like, well, your body hasn't forgotten. You can see that she had a, she had a, the way she, back, held, the way she holds her body. She had a background yeah. in ballet, you know, um, even though she hadn't danced in a long period of time. So when you think about bodies as being these holders of knowledge and how we hold our body um, tells us something about the life you've had, often I think it's a really useful way to um, look. It can be really useful to look at other people and see how they move in the world. And that's often what we study um, You know, when I was a kid <laughs> uh, living with my father, he was an, he's an old cowboy. Mm-hmm. And so that's who we hung out with, old cowboys, old ranchers. And the ones who really worked their whole life, you could see in the way that they carried themselves, yeah. slightly bent a little forward, mm-hmm. trying to support that back more with the hips because the back was shot long yep. ago. And the stride in which they took, you could tell he's been on a horse more than he's been walking in his life, you know? Yep. And and thinking about that, when I'll, I'll do impressions of my uncle, you know, because it's funny. <laughs> and that's what I do. I shift my body to look the way that he looked when he was walking. And I almost have to do that to do the impression. Like, yeah. it's it's not full. And, this, and that's what it is. It's that knowledge of the body. It's that hard life out on the plains up in the you know the wyoming mountains riding mm-hmm. and and going through as much as they did it's an interesting point that you just made we all kind of carry ourselves with experience yeah and i think that that kind of understanding and appreciation of the body gets lost a lot um you know our our bodies have so much knowledge and I think a lot of people think that, you know, they haven't been a writer, they didn't go to college, they don't have anything to pass on. But I always think about the women that I know who think that about themselves and yet have taught me so much in a kitchen. Yeah. Uh, You know, their body holds this kind of knowledge of um, food and they don't follow a recipe, it's just in their body. They know by, well, I still, they know by like eyeballing it and they know what to do with their hands and that gets passed down from generation to generation, right? Where yeah. we we share that, and that often that bodily knowledge gets undervalued. Um, so yeah, it's a really kind of interesting thing to think about. Acting, a study in in humanity, right? <laughs> yes, twenty four seven. Speaking of women, we're going to talk about something pretty big when we come back. More with Sheridan College Theater Director Dr. Lauren Graffin Estrada. After this. 
First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Moss Holders Design Center is overstocked with accent chairs, club chairs, and recliners. So right now, every single chair and every individual recliner is on sale. Find the chair that fits your style best in stock or special order your favorite in a custom fabric or leather. Whether you'd like to swivel or have a matching ottoman, Moss Holders has choice. Or find the recliner with the best options for you. Whether that's a power headrest, a rocking recliner, or even a lift chair, Moss Holders has options. Moss Holders chair and recliner sale is going on now. Moss Holders, furniture is our passion. God bless the USA, where the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Billings Original Gun Show is this weekend at Metro Park. Friday from 2 to 7, Saturday 9 to 5, and Sunday 9 to 2. There will be a ton of vendors and over 200 tables featuring guns, ammo, knives, outdoor gear, tactical gear, optics, and so much more. Buy, sell, and trade your way through the show. The Billings Gun Show is this weekend at Metro Park, Friday from 2 to 7, Saturday 9 to 5, and Sunday 9 to 2. Join Volunteers of America Thursday, April 13th at the Sheridan County Fairgrounds for their Empty Bowl fundraiser. This family-friendly event features gourmet soups donated and served by local restaurants, churches, and organizations. There will be music, children's games, and prizes. Tickets may be purchased in advance or at the door. Adults are $15, youth are $5, and kids under 5 are free. The Empty Bowl Fundraiser, 5 to 6.30 p.m., April 13th. Supported in part by your friends at Sheridan Media. The 2023 Home and Garden Show is popping with fresh ideas for all your spring projects around the house. Get creative this year and let the experts at the Home and Garden Show give you the tools to do it. April 21st through the 23rd at the Sheridan Ramada Plaza. Enter to win a $1,000 gift certificate to Landon's Greenhouse or purchase a raffle ticket for Adirondack patio furniture with materials generously donated by Blodorn and Connect Home Center and proceeds donated to the College Construction Technology students. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds for random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, we're speaking with Sheridan College Theater Director, Dr. Lauren Graffin Estrada. Now, Doc, you are, are, are talking on another first, or you're taking another first, mm. and you're going to be performing with an all-female cast yeah. for the next play. Yeah. I think, why was this decision made? Um, well, that's a good question. I've wanted to do this show for a while, but I've always had men in my class, so I haven't been able to do it. So this year just kind of fell out in a way where we had, a, we had, um, a lot of women needing to take the class. It's an elective, believe it or not, the show is an elective for theater students. So, 
Um, they don't have to take it. They're not required. So if they've fulfilled a lot of their electives, they don't participate. So the people that needed their electives this semester happened to be all women. Oh, wow. So it was luck yes. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Complete luck. I'd like to tell you it was planning. <laughs> Actually, it was luck. <laughs> Deep, you know, strategic thinking got us here. Now, tell us a little bit about this play. What is this? Yeah, so this is a play called Girls Like That, and Girls Like That um, was actually developed with young people um, in England, and our writer kind of took some of their work and structured it. So it's a theater for young people. It's theater for young people, but specifically teenagers. So it's um, aimed for ages fourteen and up. And the premise of the play is that an explicit photo gets shared of a teenage girl in high school, and then you kind of watch the fallout of what happens and how she gets treated after that. Yeah. But ultimately, it's a kind of a really important play about social media and how teenagers engage with it. But it really becomes a conversation about how we treat women and how we've historically treated women. And there's these different points in the play where um, women visit from different periods and deliver monologues. You have a woman from the 20s, a woman from the 40s, a woman from the 60s, a woman from the 80s. And in each of those moments, legislatively, you have see really interesting things happen. You know, women are getting the vote. Um, and um, we're starting to see kind of um, the development of harassment law. law. Yeah. You see these things happen legis- legislatively. But as you see these women talk, you recognize that while things are progressing in terms of law, they're not necessarily progressing socially and um, women are being hemmed in in different ways or they feel like they're being hemmed in in different ways. So we go from these historic moments, one is about the wasp women during the war and how those women uh, flew planes, right? Um, they were never recognised as veterans until the Obama administration. But um, you see this woman talking about how she's flying a plane in the 40s but then the men, how terrible the men are treating her at the same time. So it's this kind of really interesting um, relationship for how they're being al- maybe allowed to do things they weren't allowed before, but then socially they're they're being policed in different ways. Right. And we go from that back to the high school where we see a young girl not tre- get treated very well after this picture is released. And um, you're really looking at how the boy gets treated versus how the girl gets treated. And it's very different. Yeah. As, and I think we recognize that. I think all of us recognize that behavior. Well, I think all of us have been there, you know, uh, in that situation where, you know, for something that would chastise a young lady, yep. uh, we're going to celebrate it with a young man. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there is a, a sharp social contrast to the way that certain things are handled. And and whether people want to acknowledge that or not, it's still there. Yeah, it's still happening. And maybe it hasn't happened to you, but I'll guarantee it's probably happened to a woman in your life. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about having an all female cast because I, you know, I've asked questions like, "Do you think this is how this would have happened in your school?" And because you know, I'm a generation older, and I went to Catholic school, um, I know it would have happened there. <laughs> right. Um, and the answer was a resolute yes you know um she would have been iced out she would have been treated poorly she would have so I don't know that it's changed yet but I think really this play is just a really interesting provocation it's a really great way to start talking about um yes social media yes the things that are shared online but also how 
how we treat women. And I think though there's moments in this play that aren't always likable. They're not always comfortable. There are also, you know, moments of terrific humor. But I think what it is, is it's a really interesting way to have a conversation and to provoke a conversation. There's a lot to kind of unpack in that conversation. Absolutely. And yeah. I, th- I think the target audience is, is perfect for this, you yeah. know, having, because uh, as a teenager in that high school age, you know, you're, you're still trying to figure out your place within the social dynamic that exists around you. Mm-hmm. And and you're trying out different things, and you're seeing how it is. And it, all too often, I think the advantages are a little lopsided, especially when it comes to situations like the social dynamic itself. Because, like you said, mm-hmm. legislature has taken action. Yeah. But is that simply a surface fix? It, you know, is it pretty to put on paper? But as a culture. Do we need to shift over a little bit more? Uh, which I would say, you know, loudly, yes. Yeah. Uh, even today. Yeah. Even today. So what are some of the questions you want to spark within the minds of these young people as they yeah. watch this? Well, I think some of the things that we watch um, are how women treat other women, which for me is interesting in the play because a lot of the women aren't kind to Scarlett, the girl whose photo was released. And I think it's important to have conversations about um, how women treat each other because at the end of the play, the playwright makes the statement that, you know, it used to be that we just had to worry about how men treated us. Now we have to worry about how men and women treat us. And I want to know if that's true. I think I've been probably very privileged um, in that I have a lot of supportive women around me in my life and I don't feel like, um, you know, the brightness of my candle um, gets, they feel the need to blow that out. Um, so I'm interested to see if other, if teenagers feel like that. My students said that they have felt like that at different points in high school. I think it's also, I want to have a conversation about shame. I think there's so much, um, shame attached to women and their experiences. And, um, I don't think a lot of us think about how we carry that. Um, I want to have conversations about, um, why we feel like we can't make mistakes? Why yeah. do we have to be perfect? Why do we have to um, all, always work at a higher level than our male contemporaries? Again, that's cultural conditioning. Um, but I think we have to examine the ways in which that's playing out for us, right? Um, this desire to be perfect. Um, I have a lot of things that I want people to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, the list is long. But like you said, this is an important play, and it's something that is is created literally just for that. How did, was there anything special that you told your cast? You sat all the girls down and you said, I want you to go home and think about X, Y, or Z. And, yeah. and, and tell me how that affects you. Did you have those kinds of discussions? Yeah, well, we did. Actually, we kind of had different discussions along the way. One was kind of identifying some of the key ideas or repeated themes in the play. And then I asked them to go home and think about how can we connect personally to any of these? And we had those discussions in the classroom and there was a lot of discussion around family stories of shame um, and just how they've seen it play out in different generations. And it becomes different every with every generation, but it's still there. Um, one of the things I talked about was, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Magdalene Laundries in Ireland, um, which is women who had children out of wedlock. 
were sent to laundries to work um, by the Catholic Church. And um, they would work, and then their ch- as soon as their children were born, they were taken away. Um, wow. Um, and they were run by, by uh, nuns. And when you think about the kind of generational shame attached to that, these women would disappear for a period of time and then come back to their communities, and their communities knew yeah. Um, so they were outcasts within their community and they lost their children. Um, and oftentimes families didn't really have a choice. You know, a priest would arrive and tell you what was going to happen. Um, so we have this history, this really strong history of the Magdalene Laundry. And we see that that affects several generations because those children were um, given away to families. But women were also often abused within, the, within those laundries physically because yeah. they were seen as really shameful. Um not not on the par with with the regular humans around town, right? No, yeah. no, and um, so yeah, they often thought they were going to get to keep their children, but they were taken away at birth. That's um, horrible. Really horrible, and you know, you saw similar things happen here with uh, Native American with the Native American community too. Um, so when you start thinking about these stories, that you know that practice ended in the sixties. Um, that's my grandmother's generation. Yeah. So you're living in, you know when you think about how that sort of ostracization, the impact that that has culturally around women, it's huge. Ireland has, there is um, a lot of research done on the gender confidence gap, how confident women are in comparison to men. It was a worldwide, um, it was worldwide research. Millions of women were interviewed um, in different businesses. And Ireland is one of the lowest in terms of confidence in comparison to men. Women have really low confidence. Um, I think it's like Ireland and Italy, maybe Spain. I might be wrong on that. And you think, oh, well, it's got to be like the Middle East where women feel really oppressed. No, it's it's actually... Developed European countries. Yeah, we have really low levels of confidence um, in comparison to our male contemporaries. So, you know, that shame, that um, push to be perfect has a generational impact. Absolutely. Along with a multitude of other things that create that, that type of outcome. But yeah. So. The heart and the mind remembers. It? <laughs> it does. It does. Well, where and when can I see this play? Um, it's on, so we have a show on Friday at 7 p.m. And we have a show on Saturday at 2 p.m. Um, so we're really excited. We hope people come. It is really fun too. I know I've talked about some serious stuff, <laughs> but there are moments that, you know, teenage girls tend to be really funny. So we have this kind of interest and um, piece that's both funny, but then sometimes heartbreaking, sometimes frustrating. Um, but it's a really good piece, I think, to bring your daughter to and have a conversation about Absolutely. I think that's a great recommendation. Um, Take uh, your daughter down there and uh, watch the show and and start those conversations. I think that really matters. Dr. Graffin Estrada, I want to thank you so much for coming in this morning and speaking with me about this amazing play and, and tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. What do you want to do? I greatly appreciate you. All right. When we come back, we're going to speak with the executive director of the Jim Getchall Memorial Museum. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared it. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media as part of their community commitment. The Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds 
per random drawing. Could your organization be next? We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Hi, this is Liz Kincaid, host of the new video podcast called Sheridan County Ag Update. Join me this week as I visit with Sheridan County 4-H swine leaders, Chris Sorensen and Kurt Russell. Sheridan County Ag Update presented by Heartland Kubota, Truebilt Builders, and Cowboy State Bank. You can find my video podcast each week and other interviews under the podcast tab on SheridanMedia.com. Join me, Liz Kincaid, host of Sheridan County Ag Update on SheridanMedia.com. Find Atlas Chiropractic at their new location, 41 East Burkett. They're still offering the same great service to all new and existing patients. If you have aches and pains or debilitating back or shoulder conditions, call Dr. Colin Hardy, 672-6000. He can alleviate your pain, reduce your physical stress, and boost and maintain your immune system function. With each adjustment, your central nervous system is supported and strengthened. Call Dr. Hardy, 672-6000. Schedule your appointment with the top chiropractic clinic in Sheridan, Atlas Chiropractic, now at 41 East Burkett. This is Dr. Colin Hardy with Atlas Chiropractic. Be sure to ask us about our new patient specials. Take the first step to a better you. Call 672-6000. That's 672-6000. Your healing begins when you pick up the phone. Face it, you don't want to do your own plumbing and heating work or repair. You need a professional, and that is exactly what you will get if you work with Wrap Plumbing and Heating. Being fully licensed, bonded, and insured, you can rest assured that they will take care of your repairs and maintenance in the very best way possible. Call Wrap Plumbing and Heating at 429-1196 and rest easy knowing it'll be done right. This is Dan Rapp with Wrap Plumbing and Heating. And as we like to say, if you find a leak, let me take a peek. Your locally owned McDonald's is looking for a general manager, owner Larry Storrow. Bob, as general manager, you'll be responsible for helping lead as well as hire and develop all employees. You will work with the management team to set goals and create a plan to achieve these goals. A background in quick service restaurants is strongly desired or experience in hospitality or retail. You will help guide the entire operation for success. Apply for this general manager position online at McHire.com. That's McHire.com. I'm here today with Candace Crane from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Tommy, hi. I'm kind of sad. Why is that? You know Candy, our parts manager? Yeah, everyone knows Candy. Well, she's retiring at the end of this month after 43 years with the company. Well, that's not sad. That's exciting. We are so grateful for her dedication to our business. She's helped thousands of customers throughout the years, and our store won't be the same without her. We invite all of you to join us for a cookie and flower social Thursday, April 27th and Friday, April 28th. Well, wish Candy all the best in her retirement from Sheridan Honda and Power Sports. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by the director of the Jim Getchell Memorial Museum, Sylvia Bruner. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, Floyd. How are you? I'm doing very well. Now, I believe you were the third person I talked to when I moved to Buffalo way back in 2016. The first was the woman at the hotel, and the second was Vinny. He caught me looking at the statue of Nate Champion, and he asked me if I knew who that was. 
and then he gave me a brief history lesson and sent me right into your museum. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, old Vinny. Uh, he was a really great guy over there. How's your winter season been, Sylvia? Well, I think like everybody else's, it's been pretty long. Huh? We're all ready for nice, warm, sunny weather, but it's been going well. The museum is trucking along. We're getting things done, getting ready for summer. So. Now, you got some exciting news recently. The Jim Getchell Memorial Museum in Buffalo was selected as a finalist for the 2023 National Medal for Museum and Library Service. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. We are, as you might guess, super geeked out about this. Um, you know, it's, it's an award that we have been aware of for a long time because IMLS is the sort of federal branch um, for museums and libraries. And, of course, that's where a lot of grant monies and programs come through. And, you know, they definitely set kind of a high bar for these institutions, what you're supposed to be doing. They work cooperatively with other organizations like the American Alliance of Museums, um, and I'm sure there's a counterpart for libraries. But it wasn't something that we, you know, ever thought long and hard about. I don't think most people think about putting themselves out there for an award either. And so we were really pleasantly surprised this last fall to learn that um, our state senator, Cynthia Lummis, actually nominated um, a couple of institutions within Wyoming, and we were one of them. And we thought, well, that was really cool, really nice to be on her radar at the state level, getting a little bit of recognition of just the nomination factor, like, hey, you guys do good things. Here's I'm going to, you know, put your name forward for this. And uh, that created um, a bit of work for us. We had to submit a lot of information to IMLS about what the Jim Gatchell Memorial Museum is, what do we do, why do we deserve this medal? That was literally a question in the application package. And um, that was kind of a hard one to fill out. But it was also fun because we started actually thinking about all the various things that we have accomplished at the museum, the hurdles we've overcome, and so we got that sent off. Weeks go by and you don't hear anything. And then in March, we were notified that we made it into the finalist category, which is a really big deal to us because there were a couple hundred applications. And that finalist category has been narrowed down to 15 museums and 15 libraries. So the fact that we made it into that top 15 is huge. Um, obviously, we're still crossing our fingers that we make it even further and actually get one of the medals, but we don't know that yet, and I won't know exactly when we will know. It'll be sometime this month because the public announcement from IMLS is supposed to be on May 3rd, and they can give out anywhere between three and five medals per category. So, you know, if they do three, there's three for museums and three for libraries. Um, so our odds are actually still pretty good, too. Well, that's absolutely fantastic to hear because, I mean, imagine the places that uh, Jim Getchall Memorial Museum was up against. And and the only reason I, I say that is simply because, like, funding models and size and scope, you know, uh, you're yeah. probably going up against some pretty big places that have a pretty good budget. Yes, uh, we still are. It, it's really fascinating to look at the list of the 15 museums um, 
just, you know, checking out their websites and seeing the programming and the things that they do, there's some really cool places out there. But if I hazard a guess, yeah, I think we're probably the smallest as far as our staff size and our budget. Um, I think there's a few others that are from, you know, small communities too. But for instance, one of the museum institutions, it's a small site, but it's actually managed by a very large um, organization that is statewide and they manage like 11 or 12 sites. So um, not quite an apples to apples comparison in my mind anyway, but I'm just super geeked out. We're we're literally competing against the Franklin Institute from Philadelphia. Wow. Um, that's on my radar as a place I'd like to see. I mean, we're talking Benjamin Franklin, right? They opened in 1824. I don't know their budget size or their staff size, but that just, it's got to be great, right? Entrenched institution, yeah. And the fact that we're on the same page as a place like that is just super cool. Well, I think it's a testament to what a small, dedicated team can do with uh, such rich local history. I, I agree, and I think that it's really a testament to what the people who support the museum can do. You know, we've most of our, our listeners probably know this. We've gone through some ups and downs in the last few years as far as finances and budgets, and um, we're within the Johnson County structure, and they've experienced those ups and downs too. But when people really set their minds to, okay, what is your mission? Um, are we sticking to it? How are we going to get there? Let's set some goals. Let's move forward, and let's dream big. Why not? It, you know, you, you can get there. So we're nationally accredited. We achieved our reaccreditation in 2018. That was huge for us. And so it's just, it's a cool thing, just kind of reassuring that we're on the right track and we're doing good work. And I think that's exactly what awards should, uh, should say, you know, um, or reflect the hard work yeah. and the dedication. You're, you're heading in the right direction. And, and you've achieved so much in a small amount of time. Imagine what it'll look like in 25 years. Yeah, that's, it's exciting to think about, um, but also I don't want to think about 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> too far out, too far out. Yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> you said they'll make that announcement around May 3rd. Will there be a ceremony that you're invited to? Yes. Yeah, so if we win the, one of the national medals, um, they will do I believe it's an in-person ceremony in Washington, D.C., and that date is to be determined last I knew as well. It's usually in July, could be June. Um, you know, in the years past, they were always in person. Sometimes they were even held at the White House. Um, and then, of course, COVID happened, and they had to switch everything, as the rest of the world did too, and they did some virtual ceremonies. But I, like I said, I think this one is an in-person, or at least that's what they're planning at this point. Um, IMLS has a fairly large staff, and they have been really great to work with. You know, when we learned that we were a finalist, we had to send a bunch of photographs and videos and even more information about the museum because then they turned around and used it to push out with their press releases and their social media and things like that. So I'm sure we'll be getting more information from them as soon as, as, soon as they can. Well, I'll tell you, best of luck, and uh, I can't think of many others who deserve such an honor. Uh, and, and speaking, you know, if, if individuals want to see something pretty amazing, head on over to the Jim Gatchell Museum. You also have something coming up 
the Mike Thomas Bronze Opening. What is yep. this, and when is this going to be? Okay, so every couple of years, we change out an exhibit. Um, usually within our Changing Exhibits Gallery, it's kind of an obvious name, right? Um, and we also try to update exhibits within the permanent galleries, so the topic doesn't necessarily change, but the artifacts displayed within get switched out so people can see something different, and it also helps with the kind of preservation of items so they're not just constantly on display. This spring, our focus has been on our changing exhibits gallery. So we had an exhibit called A Walk Down Main Street, and we highlighted various businesses that have existed on Buffalo's Main Street. That came down. It was up for its two-year run. And what is going up in its place is a retrospective of the artwork of D. Michael Thomas. And a lot of folks probably recognize that name, and they have seen his work. He has a number of public statues within Buffalo and over in Sheridan as well. Absolutely magnificent bronze artist um, and just a really nice guy. And he's a Johnson County resident. And so he has graciously loaned us a number of his pieces. We have a few in the museum, plus we have the heroic-sized Nate Champion out front. So it's been a lot of fun um, to put this together. It's going to be just very striking Kelsey has been spearheading this and kind of curating this exhibit as a professional artist herself. It seems like an obvious choice of let her, you know, put it all together. And I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, almost 30 pieces are going in. Wow. We have, yeah, we have a lot of, um, a lot of the behind the scenes work to plan for this exhibit. You know, we didn't have enough pedestals and cases for this and definitely not enough that we're structurally strong enough to support the weight of a bunch of bronzes. So that construction is ongoing. Kelsey has painted all the walls and done a bunch of maintenance work within that room too. Every time you, you know, remove something and put something else up, it's kind of like um, when you're living in a rental and you got to patch the holes, we have to do all that work too. So it's coming together. Grand opening, public opening will be May 12th. And we intend for it to also be up for a two-year run. So we're really excited about it. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a fascinating exhibit. Um, Now, are they just pieces, or will we see a little bit behind the curtain on that as well and and maybe see something uh, like resembling or, or, or hinting to his own creative process? Yeah, there is going to be some information about that because, you know, um, Mike is not only this super talented artist, but he's also a human. And how has he grown? How did he get into art? Where did this come from? And um, one of the things that Kelsey is putting together is a, an exhibit catalog. So it will highlight the pieces and give a little bit of information, but also it gives a bit of a biography on Mike and shows some of his process and how he has grown as an artist. And the pieces that he also lent to us kind of reflect that growth. He, you know, he gave us some of his very first items oh, that, wow. you know, he didn't ever have formally, um, like, cast to sell. So there's just the one in existence. And we'll have those from, I think, the late 1970s when he first started dabbling into sculpture and then moving through the years up to, you know, the quality and talent that he is showing with his work now. Now, the museum also has two new books available. Uh, Can you give me a brief description of uh, what these are? Yeah. So 
Back in 2014, we had a different temporary exhibit about images. It was showing kind of a 90-year comparison of photographs from the Cod Peak Wilderness and the Bighorn Mountains. And it was a super popular exhibit. It was really fun to work on because you're just looking at, you know, pretty pictures of one of the most beautiful places in the world. And the modern images were taken by a local photographer, Dave Stetzel. And then he went and he took more pictures, again, matching them to old images in the museum's collection. And the whole purpose was that we wanted to expand that, turn it into a book. It obviously took us a few years to get this together. Things changed at the museum, blah, blah, blah. We finally got there. Dave never gave up on us. Um, He's a very patient man. And so this book finally came to fruition, and it is called Look to the Mountains, um, revisiting historic photographs of the Bighorn National Forest. And so it shows those copy wilderness images plus other images from the Bighorn National Forest that are not within the wilderness area. And that 90 years, some of the pictures, it's really striking how much change has, change has taken place during that time. And some of the pictures are striking in how much it has not changed. Um, so it's a beautiful book. It's kind of a large format. We wanted to make it like a coffee table style so that it's something fun for people to just pick up and browse through. And then the second book is one of the um, Arcadia Press. I guarantee people have seen these around. A lot of communities have utilized this format from Arcadia to do um, kind of photographic histories of their communities. And Jennifer Romanowski, our museum educator, took the lead on this one, put it together But there's already one for the town of Buffalo. So instead of doing that again, she focused on the history of the museum itself. So it is actually a kind of picture book displaying the history of the museum, starting with the obvious Jim Gatchell. Who was he? Who was his family? You know, how did this museum come to be named after him? Um, Working all the way through pretty recent information about the museum and things that have been achieved, things that have occurred. Well, those sound like two really good books for the history buff in the area. Um, And both are available right there at the Jim Getchell Museum. They are. We haven't distributed um, Look to the Mountains to any other sellers at this point, mostly because um, it's kind of our first, you know, recent foray into the book publishing world in a very long time. And we ordered a first printing of 250, if we have to sell at least 200 of them at full retail price before we recoup our cost of printing. And so we thought, well, we're just going to sell them in-house, you know, try and get that cost back. That goes into one of our restricted funds that is specifically for our publication. And then we can do another project. Sylvia, I've run out of time. Uh, I want to thank you so much for talking with us this morning. It's always good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Shared. First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan College Foundation is receiving these funds per random drawing. Could your organization be next? 
We're giving $1,000 to a qualified nonprofit organization every week. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. At Legacy Diamond and Gems, they have a wide selection of estate jewelry, including gold, silver, and platinum. With new items arriving weekly, now is the perfect time to stop in. Items include pre-owned Rolex watches, vintage and modern rings, pendants, earrings, and more, all at great values. They're also buyers of gold, silver, and platinum jewelry, paying maximum prices for diamonds and fine gemstones. So hurry in to Legacy Diamond and Gems, where quality and value are always in style. Legacy Diamond and Gems, 11 North Main Street, downtown Sheridan. After this long, hard winter, it's time to get out and enjoy some beautiful spring weather, but make sure your tires are ready, Chris Hayden. Bob, bring your vehicle down to Waring Chevrolet and let us take a look at the condition of your tires. If they need to be replaced, you don't need to wait for a tire sale because we offer all the major brand tire names with the price match guarantee. If you find a better price within 30 days of the purchase, we will refund the difference. Let's get your spring right on the road with new tires from Waring Sheridan Chevrolet. 107 East Alger. Go online and search for Sheridan Chevrolet. It's your comfort zone, your place to unwind. So why not have it be exactly how you want it? That's right, it's time to spruce up your home. If you're thinking about countertop remodeling in your kitchen, bar, or bathroom, now is the perfect time with the Bighorn Home Builders Home Show coming up to stop by the Sheridan Custom Stone booth and see what your future could have in store. So when you're ready for the big remodel, the big remodel will be ready for you. Visit Sheridan Custom Stone at 1765 South Sheridan Avenue or come see them at the Home Show next week to start your dream project. Welcome to a world of possibilities. At Do West Homes, they believe your dream home should be exactly that, yours. That's why they're there to guide you through every step of the journey to create a fine custom home that is uniquely tailored to your style, needs, and budget. Their team of designers and builders will work closely with you to understand your vision and bring it to life. Do West Homes, turning your visions and dreams into reality of your new custom home. Contact them at 683-7878 or visit duwesthomes.com to get started today. Have you ever heard that spring is nature's way of saying, let's party? That said, Handel Service Center is now featuring quick turnaround time on spring tune-ups on your 4 before side-by-side or dirt bike. You gotta get out there, pards. Heck yeah, but you gotta get back again, too. So get that machine into Handel's on Sheridan's Heartland Drive and get it fixed up, tuned up, zooped up to righteous dependable. It's spring, and by golly, at the end of the day, you should smell like dirt. Get out there and get back again, but get the Handel Service Center first. 103.9 FM is News Talk 930. KROE, Sheridan. KROE.